you can grab your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. As you're turning there, I'd ask you a question. Is there someone or or a couple of people in your life that have been godly examples to you of how to live out the Christian faith? As I thought about that myself, I think my wife and I would, would probably pull from a few different couples, but one in particular is Dave and Carol Koff, that for over 20 years we have known. I came to Highland Crest or Green Bay over 20 years ago, and just a new Christian was, was growing in my faith, and here was a couple that typically sits right over here, but they're not here this morning. And I would just appreciated how in their quiet way, They have faithfully served the Lord. You would see them consistently at prayer meetings. I can think of on Tuesday evenings when we would have a trucker's ministry out on 172 and GV. There is Dave in his quiet demeanor handing out a gospel track, trying to share the gospel, sharing his testimony, just very, very faithful. Well, praise the Lord for people like that. Uh, This morning... I've been praying and thinking about a message about Thanksgiving, and I'm just sensing that it would be appropriate for us to to follow another person's example, and that is Jesus himself. And I want to think with you for a moment this morning, how would Jesus offer his thanks for Thanksgiving? How has he offered his thanks to the Father? What is Thanksgiving? If you have your outline with me, you see I have a definition provided for you. It is the act of giving thanks, a grateful acknowledgement of benefits or favors, especially to God. There was a book I can remember reading a number of years ago. It's a classic Christian book. It's called In His Steps by Charles Sheldon. And it portrays this pastor who one day had a homeless man coming down the aisle and he failed to meet his needs. And as a result, the man died and this pastor was greatly convicted. And he he thought for a moment, what would it be like if I lived my life asking this question, what would Jesus do? And he gathered some people together in that local church, and they just kind of had that campaign, this quest. We're going to face every situation in our life asking this question, what would Jesus do? And it transformed that church, and well, it transformed that community as well. And so that's the question that I have for us this morning. How would Jesus celebrate Thanksgiving? What would he be grateful for? In 1 Peter 2.21, we see that he is an example to us. He leaves us an example. And in that context of that passage, it has to do with suffering. But I can't help but think that in general, Jesus is an example for us. So this morning, really a clear outline. There are four different places in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where we see Jesus offering thanks. What I'd like to do this morning is just to go through each one of those passages and hopefully widen our Thanksgiving this year. Perhaps we think of Thanksgiving as just thank you for this food and thank you for my friends and family in this house, and we ought to do that. But may we glean from the example of Jesus here 
and broaden our appreciation for the blessings that God has given to us. So let's look at Matthew chapter 11. And because my words are not very important, but God's words are, let's read these passages. Let's look at Matthew chapter 11, picking it up in verse 20. And here Jesus is going out and he is sharing the good news and he's performing miracles as he does it. Look with me at Matthew 11, verse 20. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had not been done in Tyre or Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Now look with me at verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. The first thing that we see our Savior offering thanks to his Father for was for revealing truth. The context here is Jesus going out and he is doing miraculous signs. Signs of what? Signs that he is the Savior. Signs that he is the promised one, that he has come from the Old Testament to save people from their sins. And as he does this, it's as if he's hitting walls in some of these cities. He's performing mighty works, but they are not responding. They are not turning from their sins. And this prompts him in verse 25 to offer his first thanks. God, I thank you. You are the, the Father of Lord and Lord of heaven and earth. And you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. So in one way, he thanks that these truths are hidden. Hidden from who? As it says here, the wise and the understanding. Is he speaking here of those who are just educated and are in higher education and those in graduate school? Is he saying that he doesn't reveal this gospel truth to those who are learned? Well, if we compare that sentiment to the Apostle Paul, we find out the Apostle Paul was one of the most educated and men that there was in the first century. And yet he was the most ardent follower and missionary of the cause of Christ. Context here would suggest that he is speaking of people that have hardened their heart to the truth of Jesus. Despite seeing all these miracles, they will not bend the knee. They will not ask forgiveness for their sins. Instead, they will remain in their own ways. And Jesus compares that with those who have had the truth revealed to them. As it says here, the last part of verse 25, they are like little children. Little children in the Greek here is referring to children that can't even eat solid food, but they take it from milk, and this is how they bring in food. This is the truths of the Scriptures. 
For those who are sincerely seeking after God, He will reveal Himself to them. For myself, I was in college. I was in a dorm room and I was grappling with these big questions. God, if you are real, show yourself to me. And God answered that prayers. And I would encourage you this morning, if you find yourself as a seeker trying to sort out this truth, that you would do the same. He would answer that prayer as he has done me. The first thing we see Jesus thanking the Father for is that he reveals truth. What truth do you think he's referring to? The gospel. The truth about him, that God is the creator. He is the one who put the planets in the, in the orbit. He is the one who's created you and I. The truth about our own hearts, about our sin and our corruption and our depravity. And the truth that Jesus was sent to die in our place. And he is saying, I thank you, God. That you have revealed this truth. And if Jesus thanked the Father for that, ought we not to as well this week? As I was meditating and thinking through this this week, I cannot help but wonder on the different messengers that, that God uses to reveal this truth. In our church in Michigan, there was this dear woman named Ursula. And, and she had a husband that was Muslim. And she had a few college age or high school age kids. And none of them were, were followers of Christ. And she expressed her love to Melody and I in the form of egg rolls. She was from Eastern descent. And she showed us a lot of love. I'll tell you that. It was wonderful. And she was brought to faith by a really abrasive, obnoxious man by the name of Duck. That's what he went by, duck. And then the former pastor of the church that I served at, he, he, he just loved everyone. But he said of duck, you know, that's a guy that I really can't even stand. <laughs> Yet this duck knew one thing for sure, and it was the gospel. He was kind of like a modern day John the Baptist. And he would just share it in an abrasive way. But God used duck. And here was this dear woman in our church that because of this messenger, she had received the gospel. And now she was being discipled in her own local church. I wonder about you. Who brought the gospel into your life? Perhaps it was a gentle father and mother that consistently lived that out. Maybe it was someone like Duck. And you can thank God for them, that they were obedient to share the gospel with you. And may I turn that a little bit then say, if someone shared the gospel with you, why wouldn't we want to be that messenger and go out and share the gospel with others? So the first thing we see here in this, this Thanksgiving passage or this Thanksgiving message is that Jesus thanked God for the Father revealing truth. The second thing, let's just stay in Matthew and let's just turn a few chapters to our right And this is Matthew chapter 15. The second instance where we see Jesus offering thanks is over food. Jesus feeds the 5,000 in Matthew 14, but he feeds the 4,000 in Matthew 15. 
So let me read to you, picking it up in Matthew 15, starting in verse 32. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have great compassion on the crowds because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am willing to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, Well, how many loaves do you have? They said, Seven, and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, verse 36 says, He took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. The second instance here of Jesus giving thanks, he's our example, he's the one we're going to follow this morning of how he gave thanks, is he thanks God for providing. He says, thank you for providing for me. Now let's just step back a little bit and let's remember who Jesus is and his relationship with the Father. These two are of the same essence, the same nature. God has an assignment for him. And dare I remind you, according to Philippians chapter 2, that assignment was is that he would not account equality with God as a thing to be grasped. And although he was a form of God, he would not account equality with God a thing to be grasped. He would empty himself, take the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he'd humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Here is Jesus, who is in a wonderful relationship with his Father, who is being sent on mission to do a great work to save the world from their sins. And he has the humility within him to say, Thank you for providing food for me today. Now, as I compare my life with that, I'm just being honest with you. I'm quite sure there'd be some entitlement that would flare up. Like, you better provide some food for me based on what I'm doing. I mean, just this week, my wife said, do you think that we could kind of texture the walls in our basement and do some painting? And for three consecutive evenings, after three consecutive long days, I'm down there texturing and painting. And I'm telling you the truth. I'm thinking to myself, I better get something out of this. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's just my selfish part of who I am. Someone said amen over here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. But we don't see a hint. We don't see a hint of this. In Jesus, what we see is Him being grateful for food. And I'm, I'm really drawn to that. Because I've, as I mentioned, I'd be like, God, consider what I'm doing for you. You better provide something really nice for me to eat. Recently, my wife has read or listened to the biography of Corey Ten Boone, and so I've been hearing snippets of this over the last couple of weeks. And she shared with me a story about Corey Ten Boone's sister, Betsy. And then they're in a concentration camp. And they're, they're just being infested by fleas. And I mean, it's, you can't get much worse than that, right? And they're asked, 
and, and Corey Ten Boom is like, man, what about these fleas? Can you, could it get any worse than this? And her sister Betsy said, hey, the Bible says we're supposed to give thanks in all things. Even these fleas? Yes, let us give thanks for these fleas. And so they purpose in their heart to give thanks for these fleas. Only to find out later that the guards left them alone and would not give them ridicule or trouble or pain because as they walked by, they saw that there were fleas in there. And so they actually had a cause to thank God for those fleas. The psalmist says to the Father, You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate that he may bring forth food from the earth. Psalm 104.14 Jesus would say to his followers, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Or Jesus would say, Are not two Sparrows sold for one penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Oftentimes, I think in Thanksgiving season, we think of this one. And we ought to think of this. We ought to think of the food and the basics that God provides for us. My insight to this is in America, where we are so blessed that this actually can become a challenge for us. Because we can take things for granted. We take our health for granted until us or one of our family members is in the emergency room, right? And suddenly we begin to think, oh man, I've been taking this for, for granted. Or we take our vehicles for granted until we're, we're coming home from a road trip in the middle of the night, 2.30 in the morning, and your dash is, is, is lighting up, and you're not exactly sure what's happening. And you wonder if you will literally ever get home when you've got five kids back there. And then when you get home, you're pulling their driveway, you literally kiss the asphalt because you're so grateful that your vehicle got you there. Not that that's ever happened to me. <laughs> oh, oh, what about food? You know, when you're in high school and you, you get these home-cooked meals, you kind of take them for granted, don't you? And then you go off to college or to the military. and You come home after a big break. And your mom makes for you your favorite dish, lasagna, mounds of mozzarella, Italian sausage. And you sit there and it nearly brings you to tears because you are so grateful for something that at one time you took for granted. So the second here of giving thanks is God, thank you for providing for me. The first was thank you for revealing truth. Now let's go to the Gospel of John where we'll see a third thing that Jesus offered thanks to His Father for. And I'm saying to you this morning, let us consider His example. Let us follow His example here in John chapter 11. You know the story of Jesus and Lazarus. At the beginning of John chapter 11, here is one of Jesus' friends. Lazarus is sick. We find out that his uh, sisters want Jesus to heal, but Jesus doesn't come immediately. Lazarus dies. Jesus comes on the scene, but it's too late, right? So there is Lazarus dead. He's, he's in a cave. Look with me at John chapter 11, picking it up in verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. 
It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed that you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. The third thing that we see Jesus offering thanks for in these gospel accounts is he says, thank you for hearing my prayer. Once again, consider the meekness of our Savior. He is in direct communication with the Father. His, his relationship is clear. And it's clear. There's a, a, a clear conscience. He has never sinned against His Father. And yet He points out, before He offers up this prayer, I want to thank You that You allow me to speak to You and that You will actually hear what I have to say. Now if that is true of Jesus saying that to His Father... Ought it not to be true of you and I as we pray to the Father? Ones who have dishonored His name, taking His name in vain, turned our backs on Him, sinned against Him, broken all the Ten Commandments, and yet been forgiven of our sins by His Son, taking our sin upon Himself on the cross, that we might be able to pray. If Jesus was thankful that He was heard, how much more for you and I we ought to be thankful that we are heard by the Father. Matthew 7. Listen to these words. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. There could be some this morning that would say, of course God is going to hear me. I mean, he's running this universe and other universes. He's going to want my input on how to do that. What a prideful thought. He even says this to us in God's Word, Philippians 4. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, listen to this, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We have the privilege of praying. When's the last time you've just paused and, like Jesus said, I, I thank you that I get to do this? Who am I? When I look at this creation, who am I? that I would be able to say something, God, with everything that I've done in my life against you, and you would forgive me and you would hear what I have to say. That ought to arouse some gratitude within us. Then the fourth is this. The fourth instance where we read the Gospels, where we see Jesus offering thanks, is found in Luke. Let's look at Luke chapter 22. Picking it up in verse 14, this is at the tail end of Jesus' ministry. 
And this passage we're going to read here is a passage about the Lord's Supper. Instituting the Lord's Supper. In Luke chapter 22, verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 17. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Verse 19. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So the fourth, the fourth item in which we see Jesus offering thanks to his Father is he is saying, Thank you for the body and the blood. Now, if the Lord wills, we'll be gathering here next Sunday. We'll be participating in the Lord's Supper. And you and I will be thanking, our Father will be thanking Jesus for the body and the blood. It is one thing for you and I to do that. But don't miss this, loved ones. Jesus here is thanking the Father that He is able to give His body and His blood to the Father for His glory. That God would be glorified. That you sitting here this morning and I could have an opportunity to know the Father, to live our life for the Father. I'm thanking you, Lord, that as I take this Passover festival and and now make it into the Lord's Supper festival or this observance or this ordinance, I'm giving of my body and I'm giving of my blood. And we'll read here in the next verse, verse 21, But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. I'm going to get betrayed here in a little bit. I'm going to get arrested here in a little bit. I'm going to get convicted of a crime that I have not committed here in a little bit. I'm going to be brutally killed here in a little bit. And I thank you that I get to do this. I thank you that I get to use my body and pour it out that you would be glorified, Father. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Let me ask you something, loved ones. Have you ever thought and thanked your Father for allowing you to to lay your life down, your body down, for a greater cause, for the cause of God, that He would be glorified? And when the suffering that accompanied that came, you thanked Him for that as well. This is the example that we see here of Jesus. We see Him thanking God for revealed truth. 
We see him thanking God for meeting his needs. We see him thanking God for hearing his prayer. And we see him thanking God that he would get to use his body and blood to carry out this plan that you and I could be forgiven of our sins. Now that is a Savior that I want to follow. That is a Savior that I want you to follow. He is Lord. He is different than me, but I want to become more like that. The message this morning is on follow Jesus. And I'm telling you something, that's a little bit of a bait and switch, I'm being really honest with you, because you and I cannot follow Jesus like this. I'm reminded of a little story I heard this week. A story is told of a young girl whose father was a chronic complainer. One evening at the dinner table, she proudly announced, I know what everyone in our family likes. She didn't need any coaxing to reveal her information. Now, Johnny, he likes hamburgers. Janie, she loves ice cream. Jimmy, he loves pizza. Mom, she likes chicken. Her father waited for his return, but there was no information forthcoming. Well, what about me, he asked. What does Daddy like? With the innocence and painful insight of a child, the little one answered, Well, Daddy, you like everything we don't got. And I'm just being honest. There's a little bit of that in me. (laughs) And the truth is, as I hold up this example for Jesus, what would Jesus do? We might try, we might strive, but we are not able to follow in Jesus' steps. We will eventually hit that, that brick wall. So what do we do about this? I mean, if you're sitting there in your seat this morning and you're saying, well, I don't got that, that's what I was hoping you would experience. Because that's what I experience as well. We, we have to admit that. We have to confess that. We have to acknowledge that that sort of gratitude is, is not just welling and springing up within us of our own efforts. But it is available to us. Can I have you turn to one more passage? I want you to see these words for yourself in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. This is a passage that we love to return to. It, it speaks about being filled with the Spirit about being under the Spirit's control. This is what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen to what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. Verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, And listen to what verse 20 says. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is hope, loved ones. But the hope does not rest in you. The hope rests in the living God who has saved you from your sins. And when the moment you became a Christian, He gave you His Spirit. And He asked you to rely on His Spirit. Moment by moment, asked to be filled with the Spirit, to repent of sins when they come, and as evidence of the Spirit having control of your life is what it says right there, giving thanks at all times. It is possible. It is possible with God's help. 
And that's what I hold out for you this morning. It is a thanksgiving that travels. If you find yourself here this morning and you're not even really anticipating Thursday, because your Thursday is not going to look like Norman Rockwell's painting. It's not going to be a loving grandma and grandpa there. It's not going to be a golden brown turkey here. There's some brokenness there. There's not a real close family situation. And you might even be dredging it. But here's the, here's the promise. Here's the hope for you. Is that our Thanksgiving is not just based on how your family and friends are doing. It can go beyond that. Do you see what we saw here this morning in this passage? When we saw Jesus offering thanks, it had to do with Him having the Gospel revealed. You could give thanks to the Gospel being revealed to you. Yes, to meeting your basic needs, but also for being able to have your prayers listened to. And then also to be able to offer your body as a living sacrifice. God used this. And if I experienced some suffering, I'd be happy to do that. This is a fuller thanksgiving than what we're going to see from commercials this afternoon and the next couple of days. This is a thanksgiving that Jesus holds out for us. May I offer it to you and say, why don't we join Him, depending on the Holy Spirit, to experience this ourselves. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your Son, Jesus. That's really all I need to say. What, a, what an example He is in these passages. I thank You that with His example, we see that Thanksgiving is more than a meal. It's having truth revealed. It's a relationship that we have where we can hear from You and talk with You. And it's by never getting over this idea that Jesus came in our place. He gave His body and He gave His blood. And I would pray that we would give our body as He did for the cause of the Gospel. I pray that there would come days where we would see more families like what we saw this morning as the whole cuts. There would be more families that would prop up and say, I want to give my life to this cause. If that means here in Wisconsin, if that means in South America, or if that means in the Middle East, I would go. Why wouldn't I go? Jesus gave His body and His blood for me. I'd be happy to do that. I I want to, to make God's name known among the nations. If that means that we stay right here and share the gospel with our family and our coworkers and our neighbors and a group that we would volunteer for a strategic purpose, help us to do that. May you be glorified, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.